The year was 2001. She was 14. I was 56. She was from Dominican Republic. I was from Rock Island, Illinois. She spoke Spanish. I spoke English. Yet here we were on a divine appointment that only God could have orchestrated and put together. A good friend of ours started a mentoring program in Lawrence, Massachusetts. Not many people, not many of the kids were graduating, and he wanted to start a mentoring program to get these kids to study, and especially English. So I was asked if I would be a mentor and help with English, and I prayed about it, and God said to me, will you speak English? Yeah. So I signed up, but I really, really, really prayed for the person that they would match me up with. We're going to be together for four years. I really wanted it to be God's appointment. I got her name in the mail, and I headed to Lawrence High School to meet Dioslin Carpio. Yeah. In 2001, they were using the old high school, and I was surprised to find the street in front of the high school barricaded off, and a SWAT team of Lawrence police officers would stand out a half hour before school let out because of the gang wars that were happening. And I was totally surprised they were armed and they were ready for whatever might happen. No one could use that street in front of the old high school for that you know, hour when school got out. So I went across the street. I had parked at the library, which, which was across the street, and I walked into the high school, and I looked up into a huge row of double stairs, and up at the top was also another barricade You had to go up the stairs to get into the high school, and there were two sumo wrestlers at the top of the barricade. And I said to myself, what am I doing here? And then I said, no, no, you have to go meet Dioslin. So her picture's going to be on the screen. Don't we look young? Are we cute? I went into the office. The sumo wrestlers agreed I had my ID, and I had a little letter that said, you know, I was going to mentor someone, and I got shown to the office, and then from the office I went to the classroom, and the teacher got her name, and up stood this beautiful, beautiful young girl that was going to be my divine appointment. We met after high school one day a week, and I was always early. And she was always on time. I learned that she loved dolphins. And so what do you do as a teaching English? We read every elementary book on dolphin that existed. I know more about dolphins than I want to know. She, about the fourth week that we met, we were talking about family and names, and she told me what her name meant. Her name, Dioslin, means God's person. And inside, I was going to... But outside, I was very calm. I was very calm. Okay, this is God's person. Yes. Yes. It was a divine appointment for sure. At the end of our first year together, I had earned the right to talk to her about why Jesus came and why he died for us. We sat in the library, and I had this little pamphlet 
there are some here for you today. This little pamphlet put out by Billy Graham, Steps to Peace with God. And I went through it with her. We read it together, and there was a prayer at the end, and she went home with that pamphlet. In June of 2005, Dioslin graduated from Lawrence High School, and in 2009, she called me on the phone and said, I've got some great news, I've got some great news, I need to talk to you in person. So we met. She had been attending a church in Lawrence that friends had told her about, and even a teacher from Lawrence High School had told her about. And she had a dream, June 6, 2009, And there was a wonderful lady from her church that she had a dream about. The lady asked her if she was lost and wanted to be found by God. As Dioselin walked away, this is in the dream, the lady grabbed the back of her ponytail and pulled really hard and said, don't wait. And she woke up and her head hurt in the back of her head. She woke up, she remembered the dream. She now has a headache in the back of her head. And all that next day, she went around thinking about it, thinking about it, and she ended up, she had to go to Market Basket. So she went to Market Basket, and there, who was there? The lady that was in the dream from her church was in Market Basket, a divine appointment, a divine appointment. And she goes over to this lady and she says, you'll never guess I had a dream about you last night. And this was a dream. And the lady said, don't wait. We can pray right now, right here. And in the produce section of the market basket, they prayed and Dioselin accepted the Lord and had Jesus in her life forever. A divine appointment. Dioselin's God's person, and she's here right now. Dioselin, since then, her sister, her brother, her uncle, her aunt, her mom, her children, her grandmother and husband have all become Christians and also a a friend from work. And those are all divine appointments. It's not just her, but it's a link in the chain that is used. I'm going to read the following scripture that's going to be on the screen You follow along with me. John chapter 4. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had, everybody say had, You with me? Gotta say it again. He had to go through Samaria. So when he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate 
with Samaritans. We're going to look at a map and we're going to see what was going on here. The map now shows us Judea in the south, head north to Samaria, and then up to Galilee. This is the route that they had to take. The map shows us people would not ever enter, the Jewish people would not ever enter Samaria. Never, never. It was unclean to even put your foot into their territory. No self-respecting Jews would go through Samaria. The Samaritans were a mixed race with a mixed religion. During the Assyrian captivity, the king of Assyria brought people from other regions into the conquered Samaria. They not brought other people to mix with the Samaritans who were left there, but they brought their religion also. So what happened was, instead of the Jewish faith, they mixed it all with their religion, some Jewish, some other pagan religions. These Samaritans, during Ezra's day, when he came back to build the temple, were not even allowed or permitted to touch or help build the temple. Samaritans worshipped a mixed religion on Mount Gerizim, and they only believed in the first five books of the Bible. Not the rest, just the first five. Jesus instructed the 12 disciples in Matthew 10, verse 5, do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. That was the instructions that he gave to his 12. Do not enter Samaria. The choice would be to travel by the coastline or the preferred route was head east through Perea, across the Jordan River, then up north into the Decapolis, head back west over the Jordan River and into Galilee. It was a much longer trip for them. But not this time. Uh Uh-uh, not this time. Verse 4 tells us Jesus must go through, had to go through. The King James says, must needs go through. Had to go. He had to go there. This time, this day, because he had a divine appointment, he knew he had to be there in Sakar at a well. It was God's perfect plan. Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. I sometimes forget the human part. Oh, I'm sorry, 100% human and 100% God. The human part, he was tired and thirsty And he sat down by the well. Note, he sent his disciples out to get lunch. They went into town, all 12 of them. He's going to wait by the well because he's got an appointment to keep with a lady. Sometimes God sends you out on a divine appointment and in order, you must talk to someone about God. You've got to send other people out of your life. Just remember that. You can't always go with a crowd. You can't always have your friends or your family with. Sometimes the right thing to do is send them off so that you can do what God has called you to do. And then here she comes. Disciples are gone. Here she comes. She's coming to the well. Oh, he was so excited. She comes alone at noon with her water jug. 
All the other women from the town would come either early in the morning or late in the afternoon when it was the cool of the day. How many of you are morning people? You love the morning, you love to get up early. Look around, look around. How many are night people? Afternoon and night, you really, yeah, yeah, look, look. She came in the middle of the day, the hottest part of the day, because she didn't want to see anybody. She didn't want to mix with the women. That's where they talked and gossiped and found out the news. She wanted to miss the crowd, the gossip, the humiliation, the backstabbing, the looks of contempt from the other women in the town. She is a banished woman, totally excluded from the community. But Jesus is there for her, waiting for her, ready for his divine appointment. He speaks, and she's in shock. He not only speaks, but he asks her for help. Will you give me a drink? She could tell by his dress, his accents, and manners that he was a Jew. How can he speak to a woman? And she calls him on it. Now I have a question for you. Will you be open to divine appointments that God has for you? And are you open to getting rid of friends, maybe family sometimes, so you can reach out to the special person God has for you to share Jesus with? On the screen will be John 4, 10 through 15. And I will read this for you as you follow along. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? as did his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this well will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to her, Sir, give me this water so that I don't have to get thirsty to keep coming here to draw water. There's a slide that's going to go up of Jesus speaking to the woman. She must have looked like Jesus had two heads. She said, he can give me water, but he doesn't even have a bucket. How's he going to give me any water? Here we have a conversation where two people are talking about different things. I do this with my husband sometimes. <laughs> he'll be talking about something and he'll go on and on and on, and I join in the conversation, thinking that I know what he's talking about. However, as the conversation goes on, you've done this, right? It goes on and on, you go, what are you talking about? Because I'm over here and he's over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Samaritan friend we're talking about, she's talking about water, H2O. We drink a lot of it. You may have some right now where you're sitting. We carry water around with us all the time. We need water, H2O. But Jesus is talking about spiritual water, a gift from God called the Holy Spirit. The spirit that will come on you, be in you, and never, 
never, ever leave, and you will never be spiritually thirsty again. She would love not to have to come to the well and have to run into women or people. So she's thinking, oh, maybe he'll give me a stream right by my house. Or maybe I'll have my own well. Or maybe I'll have my own well inside my house. (laughs) Running water. Whatever it is, she wants it. And she now addresses Jesus as, sir, give me this water. Yes, the door is open. Can you see it? Can you see she's coming? Proverbs 25.25 tells us that the good news is like fresh water. Proverbs 18.14 says, wise words are like a bubbling brook. Jesus changes the subject and correctly asks her to go get her husband. That would be the proper thing to do in this culture. A man speaking with a woman alone would not be wise, and so the woman would always be asked to go get her husband. But Jesus already knows the answer. Our friend responds correctly, I have no husband. Jesus now finishes her story. That's right. And you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. He did not condemn her, but stated the facts. And he let her know that he knows all about her. He did not despise her. He loved her. He had chosen this time, this place, to show her such great love. I want to know more about her, don't you? A man wrote this gospel, and I want more facts, details. Women are into details. Barbara Kelly, from her book called The Woman at the Well, A Story of Redemption, identifies with this woman, and she wrote about how this woman might have felt. Listen to what Barbara says. I have always had an underlying low self-esteem causing me not to stand up for myself, and when I meet people in particular, I overlook the red flags or signs from the Lord that I need to flee. Do you think the Samaritan woman felt the same way? She wanted someone to take care of her, as was the culture back then. Without a provider and a protector, she would be vulnerable to both verbal and physical attacks. Who knows what her child had been like, childhood had been like? Did her father give her in marriage the first time at the tender age of 12 or 13? Did her father give her to a man who was abusive? Was she a virgin as the culture at that time had called every woman given in marriage to be? Had she been sexually molested as a child? Had she been a victim of physical abuse as she grew up? Who were these men that she had been married to and why did they divorce her? Did they have affairs and divorce her for someone else? Did they divorce her because she had been unfaithful? All these questions come to mind because we don't know the circumstances of her life and how she ended up at the well at that moment. But the important thing to remember is Jesus was there at exactly the right moment in time to give her the gift of living water. What are you thirsty for? What have you used to satisfy your thirst? Family, career, shopping, entertainment. 
Only Jesus can satisfy. He is the one who will satisfy your longing, heal your pain, love you just the way you are this moment. John 7, 38 tells us, he who believes in Jesus, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Our friend now admits that Jesus is a prophet. And to change the subject, she heads down another path. She's going to talk about religion. She's heard a little bit about that. Where's the correct place to worship, she asks. He tells her it's Jerusalem. Jerusalem's the right place. We get the Bible from the Jews. Jesus is Jewish. But for us, the answer is important. The verses are going to be up on the screen. John 4, 21 through 26. Read it with me. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, who speak to you, I am he. I love this. I love this. Our friend goes from thinking of Jesus as a thirsty Jewish man to calling him sir to calling and admitting he's a prophet because he knows all about her and then talking about the Messiah is going to come. What a divine appointment. What an awesome moment. Now listen carefully. We today who have Jesus in our hearts must worship in spirit and in truth. We must be real, genuine, authentic. This is not tied to a church, but inside our hearts. God is spirit. He's invisible. He's omnipresent. Never confined to any single place. God wants and desires the Holy Spirit in us to join with his spirit in worship. Oh, how easy it is to go to a church all dressed up, looking great, but never join into true worship of God throughout the entire morning. Our minds drift here and there. To lunch, maybe dinner. About the kids, work, school, something's physically wrong, our health, our family, our friends. But it's a choice to let go of all the demands of life and really focus on him, God, wherever we are, God Almighty, to sing to him, to listen and to learn and to find out more about him. And you can worship God anywhere. One of my favorite places to worship is in the car. I put on my CDs. I know, you know, some of you don't even know what a CD is, but I put on my CDs and I sing in the car and there are times I'm crying. I'm crying because my spirit is touched God's spirit. 
Really worship him. Romans 8, 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? He wants to give all of us all things. The Samaritan woman now is there. She knows in her heart, Jesus gives the living water. To her, a banished woman of Samaria, he tells the amazing truth. He is the Messiah, the Christ, God in flesh, standing right in front of her. It's the first time he shared it. He did not share it with the disciples. He did not share it with the religious rulers. He picked this woman in Samaria at this well to tell her, I am God in flesh. What joy, what freedom, what a blessing. She leaves her water jug, which is really, really important, and she runs into town. Gone is her guilt, her humiliation, and the pain. She feels real love for the very first time. The very first time. Someone loves her just the way she is and completes her. She runs and she tells the men in the village. Why does she go to the men? Because the women aren't talking to her. Right? She runs and tells the men in the village, come and see a man who told me all the things I ever did. Is not this the Messiah? Yes, they came. They came to meet this man. And they believed. Some of them believed. The town officials invited Jesus to stay two more days. And he did. And he taught. Don't you wonder what the disciples were thinking? We shouldn't even be here. But he stayed. How about you? God knows everything about you. He knows everything about me. And he loves us anyway, just the way we are. God wants a relationship with you. Will you say yes to Jesus right now? Will you pray and ask God to give you a divine appointment this month in order to share his love with others? Now it's decision time for you. I've got two helpers. Dioselin and Allie are going to get up and they're going to distribute cards to you. You need to make a decision right now at the well. I'm going to give you a couple of minutes. There is a name I love to hear I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in my ear, the sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Everybody, because he first loved me. Thank you, Father, for this time. Thank you for divine appointments. Thank you that you know everything about us and you love us. Keep that living water in us. Keep it springing up like a well over and over again that we may serve you all the days of our lives. And everybody said, amen. Thank you.